It's Monday, March 19th, 2018. I'm Herbie Newell, and this is the Defender Podcast, a daily encouragement to mobilize and equip the body of Christ to manifest the gospel to orphans and vulnerable children. This daily podcast is a ministry of Lifeline Children's Services, and I'm coming to you from Sao Paulo, Brazil. Well, this is our weekly Monday Bible study and call to prayer. Today, we are continuing our study on the gospel according to Luke, and we are joined by Dr. Rick, our Vice President of Engagement. Dr. Rick, will walk us through Luke chapter 10, verses 25 to 37. We're continuing to walk through the book of Luke and are still in chapter 10 today. And we're going to be focusing in on the parable of the Good Samaritan. Um, So a really familiar story um, that lots of us have heard over and over, probably heard many sermons um, and have attended many Bible study classes that have involved this passage um, and just want to break it down today um, a little bit in terms of um, both where we find it in the book of Luke but also just um, in a little bit of a simple simple interpretation of the the passage and so um, we remember that Luke um, conserves the detail of the story of the Good Samaritan right after Jesus sent out the 72. And so we've got this incredible contrast of, of these 72 uh, followers of Jesus that Jesus commissioned and sent out and, um, and gave the task of sharing that the kingdom of God is at hand and how they went out willfully and joyfully and followed Jesus' instructions and how they saw the Spirit work and, and, and we know they missed it a little bit, and and they, um, you know, they thought maybe they had more to do with what had happened than than they did, and and Jesus definitely warns them about pride um, in that story, and then that's contrasted with. Um, this lawyer who comes to Jesus now in beginning in verse 25 um, and in a very prideful uh, manner and, and has this exchange with Jesus. And so let's, let's read the passage. It says, And behold, a lawyer stood up to put him to the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said to him, What is written in the law? How do you read it? And he answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor is yourself. And he said to him, You have answered correctly. Do this, and you will live. But he, desiring to justify himself to Jesus, um, and who is my neighbor? Jesus replied, A man man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and, and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, um, came to where he was, and when he said to him, saw him, he had compassion. Um, he went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring oil and wine. Um, and then he set him on his own animal and brought him to the inn and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. Which, is of, the, which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among robbers? And he, the lawyer, said, um, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, you go and do likewise. 
And so we, we find in the story that this lawyer comes um, and, and he asks Jesus a question, but he doesn't ask an honest question. He doesn't ask an, a real question of seeking. The question that he's asking is ultimately um, he's trying to, to find a way to dismiss or to disprove Jesus. And so he says, teacher, what, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus, um, long before the Socratic method was really a thing, long before Socrates, Jesus used a powerful question and used questioning to expose truth. And so Jesus says back to him, you're an expert in the law. What do you think? What, what do you say that it is? And the man answers, and he answers well. Um, and, and he says that, that uh, in order to inherit eternal life, we, we must love the Lord our God with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind, with all our strength, and love our, na- love our neighbor as ourself. And, and Jesus says, you've, you've rightly said that this is what it takes according to the law to inherit eternal life. Go do this and you will live. Now, we know the impossibility of that, that, that Jesus was basically, um, was basically saying to this man, no matter how deeply you think you can do this, no matter how perfectly you think you can keep the law, you can't. And we can testify, all of us, in our own hearts that that's true. That, that no matter how many people we love, no matter how many people we love well, no matter how, how fully we, we try to pursue and to love God, um, we are people who fall short. We build idols. Um, we, take, we take things that are not eternal and things that are not God, and we give them, we give them worship and we give them a place in our lives that, that, is, that is more than they deserve. And we ultimately give our affections and, and we give our love to them. And, and that's a struggle that we, that we have always. We never perfectly love our neighbor because, because as Jesus goes on to say here in a few minutes, that our neighbor is everyone. Um, and, and whether you or I want to you know, readily admit it or not, the truth is that we all have a tendency in our heart to draw lines and we have a tendency to love some more perfectly than others and, and, and even possibly to dismiss people. And so Jesus begins to, to raise that up in the consciousness of this man. He says, so, so the man who, who says, well, I've got, this, I've got this loving God thing down, like check that box off. I'm doing that well. But, but, then, but then he asks Jesus the question. He says, well, then like who really is my neighbor? Now, what we understand about this um, this lawyer is that his tendency was probably only to think his neighbor were people was were, was a person like him, somebody of his same social standing, some someone of his same you know religious standing, someone that that fit in his neighborhood. That's who his neighbor was, and that he he came from a long line and a tradition of people that were really dismissive of of most of the worth of the people around him. And so Jesus, rather than exposing that, rather than arguing. Arguing that Jesus tells a story. Um, a lot of the sermons I think that many of us have heard um, about the Good Samaritan. Sometimes we have a tendency to try to maybe stretch this text a little bit out of out of shape. And and what I would submit to you is that you know we've heard about why the priest or why the Levite may have crossed on the other side and and about their religious service and all those kinds of things. And and I think it's a simple story with a with a really simple and stark meaning. So. So Jesus tells the story, and he says there was a man who was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. Um, this was a, a, a tough, windy road. It was a difficult way to go. Um, it was it was 
it was thought that or it was known during this time that this was a place where you could likely be harmed or or, or likely be robbed um, it was a difficult road to travel um, it actually dropped somewhere around over 3,000 feet in in the span of about 17 miles and so it was a dangerous mountain road and and so when Jesus set the context for this he he he, he made it a, a, a difficult place where this was likely to happen it wasn't far-fetched at all and so we see this man who was attacked and he was robbed and he was he was beaten half to death and he's left to die um, and 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 then you you see uh, comes on the scene a priest and and what does the priest do the, the priest not only um, not only doesn't pay attention but he shows the indifference to move to the other side of the street now in the mind of the uh, of the lawyer the priest should have been the hero of this story because he was the most like him, and so, and and so his expectation would be that that however the tr- the priest treated people that 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 would be that would be the test case, and so, um, and, and and so this is this is very much Jesus pointing out that um, that that your definition of neighbor to this lawyer isn't sufficient. Well, then, then along comes this Levite, and we know that a Levite was was of the tribe of Levi, but he wasn't a priest, and so these were the people that you know that sort of served in the temple. Um, these were the people that were that were maybe kind of of a lower class or whatever, but still people that that the lawyer would have associated with. This is you know in a modern day way, this might be the the you know the person that checked him out at the grocery store or or the person that pumped gas. They're they're still in his neighborhood and they're still around, and he would have had pleasant conversations with them, but they would not nearly have have been as important to him as the priest was and and so how does this person act they you know they walk on the other side of the road and then then we get to the samaritan and of course we know and you've heard you've heard plenty of um, of people break down the the tension between Jews and Samaritans but these were these were people who who intermarried um, Jews who had intermarried with um, with the people um, who were holding God's people captive um, during the exile and so so these were these were literally people who who consorted and conspired with the enemy and they produced children and they worshiped on the wrong mountain and they so they were ethnically the wrong kind of people they were religiously the wrong kind of people they were like in, in in virtually every way that you would judge they were the wrong kind of people and yet jesus is setting the samaritan up to be the hero of the story and so someone that the lawyer would have found detestable we don't even really have a category of people around us i think that that help us to understand the amount of distaste or how detestable this would have been um, there's no racial conflict around no no divide over religion anything where, where i think we we truly have um have that deep-seated a sense in our own culture of the level of distaste even as much as we may think we see that it's it's so much greater in the story, and and so what does the Samaritan do? It says that he stopped and he had compassion, and then he he took the man and he bound up his wounds. He he soothed um, he soothed the condition as best he could there. He sacrificed and put the man on his animal and and took him down this treacherous road and made it harder for himself. He. He, he took him to an inn, and, and we know in in this context that, that going to an inn um, is not like going to, to Motel 6 or, or even, you know, any other kind of hotel. It's, it's ultimately... Um, 
like a you know just like a small kind of place to rest in in the rocks on the journey just so that you can sort of catch your breath and and get moving and 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 certainly wasn't a place that had all the services and all the stuff that you would assume in a hotel um it says that this man um that that he played he paid two denarii to the innkeeper in order for for this man that he had found on the road um to 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 be able to to rest and to heal um that that's like a day's wages the, the probably the cost of this hotel um this little pla- place of, of of rest would have been about one thirty second of a denarii and so literally this man lavishes on on this the samaritan lavishes on this man that he found on the side of the road and and he basically pays for him to have a place to stay for two months um, he also then tells the innkeeper and says spend whatever you have to spend and i'll i'll, I'll pay it on on my next journey through and 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 so there, there's great extravagance in the way that this samaritan acts toward this jew and and the way that the way that he cares for him and so then at the end of the story, Jesus says, so, so who's, who showed him, you know, who, who was his neighbor? Um, and, and Jesus and the man says, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, go and do likewise. And again, we see the hopelessness of the man's, man's circumstance and his ability to obey outside of the gospel. Um, and, and the truth is what we can draw from this story is that you and I, no matter where we draw the lines, um, that, that we all have people that we don't love like God loves them. We all have people that we struggle with and we have a tendency to place people into categories and, and that our love always is going to fall short. And this, what this, this parable leads us to understand is, is the only love that doesn't fall short is the love of Jesus. And it's, and it's that love and it's that work that we need desperately in our lives. That, that if we're ever going to have the hope of, of pleasing God, of loving God the way that God wants to be loved and doing that consistently, if we're ever going to, if we're going to please God by loving people, um, we're not going to do that in and of our own strength. The way we do that is, is, is by taking on the righteousness of Christ because Jesus, Jesus fully, um, has a love for the Father that is unbroken and unending and is unmarred by sin. Jesus is the one who loves people um, as, as only He can. He's the one that that doesn't set categories and doesn't set boundaries and and doesn't establish division. And so, if we're to have hope in the midst of of this world, in the midst of this crisis, it's not by by how good we do in social justice. It's not by by the ways that we that we care for people or how we take care of them. It's not it, it's it's not even in in how how we how we strive to live an upright and holy life. Our hope ultimately is in the gospel, and that's what this story draws out um, most directly. And so today, I hope you'll take encouragement from the fact that that Jesus, the one who deserves all praise and all glory, the one who 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 made the heavens and the earth, the one who um, who is 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 the very embodiment of God. Um, walking among us, that Jesus has provided a way for you and I to be reconciled to the Father. He's provided a way for us to be forgiven of our sins. He's provided a way for us to be able to love people um, with His love by by giving them the gospel and by living the gospel out in front of them. And so today, I, I, I hope that 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 you will be be drawn to be encouraged by the fact that we find our hope in the gospel and that it's not dependent upon our efforts, but but that that our that our worth and our satisfaction and, and ultimately the satisfaction of God is, bla- is based in the work 
um, in the saving work of Jesus. And that today, because, because you know Jesus, because, because I know Jesus, because we have a relationship with Jesus and because Christ is real in our lives, we have a way of being able to walk out and to live out um, the truth of the story of the Good Samaritan. And, and finally, the, in the way that the Samaritan acted, we remember that we have a generous God, that, that as much as we think that the Samaritan was lavish in the way that he took care of this man and he provided for him, God has done so much more in Jesus. And so today, let's be encouraged that we, um, that we are in Christ, that we are ambassadors of Christ, that we are empowered by Christ, and that ultimately, no matter what it is that's been placed in your life today, um, that you can find victory and that you can find wholeness um, in what Jesus has done and the way that Jesus has provided for himself and that our trust um, needs to be placed only in him. So today I hope you have great encouragement and, and that we will strive today um, to live like the Good Samaritan. Well, thanks, Dr. Rick. And this week we are praying for the country of India and specifically praying for the church in India to be bold and steadfast and and pray that the Lord would raise up national pastors and that the church would grow. We're also praying that the Lord would continue to ignite the hearts of believers in India to care for orphans and and widows and vulnerable children. We're, We're praying for wisdom for the government of India as they make decisions related to adoption and orphan care. And we're praying for God's grace over Indian adoption options after a recent tragedy that happened in Texas. Pray for the Lord to continue open up doors in India adoption and for the central authority, CARA, to continue to show favor to Lifeline and other organizations. We we pray for the central authority, CARA, to continue to make the Indian adoption process more streamlined in order to see more children available to be placed into forever families. And, and just pray that the barriers would be overcome and that there would be clarity for adoptive families and agencies as a whole. We pray pray for God to draw more missional families to the India adoption process. And and we pray that these families would see this as an opportunity for the gospel to go forth in an unreached nation where other avenues of the gospel are getting fewer and more restricted. And we pray for Lifeline's team in the U.S. as we continue to learn the adoption practices and pioneer these efforts. And we pray for our amazing team on the ground as they assist families in country. We, we pray for their time in the States in April and for their family as they have been experiencing some health cha- challenges. And, and that's specifically uh, Marie and, and Alex. And, and we also pray for wisdom and guidance for our unadopted team as they sense the Lord's leading for new opportunities with potential partners in India. And pray for our upcoming trip to India this fall. Pray that the Lord would use this trip to build relationships with Kara, orphanages, and other partners on the ground. India is the country with the largest number of orphans in the world, so pray that these children would be reached with the hope of the gospel and that they would be used as active agents of redemption in this nation. Only 2.2% of India's population profess Christianity, and almost 95% is unreached and unengaged with the gospel of Christ pray for the gospel to go forth in these areas where it has not yet been proclaimed. Pray for people's hearts to be softened to the gospel and that India would become a nation full of people who fear the Lord and serve him faithfully. And pray for individuals and families who have given their lives to make the gospel known in India. Pray for strength and steadfastness as they faithfully scatter seeds amongst those who have not heard or believed. And and pray for the way the Lord has continued to grow the Indian adoption program. We now have over 40 families 
who are looking to adopt from India. And we pray that more families would continue to be drawn towards this special program. And we, we praise the Lord for the connections he has given us through our team on the ground to native Indian believers who work with our families during travel and praise for their hearts for adoption and willingness to serve and assist us. And praise that we have seen amazing paperwork miracles over the past month with families getting approvals within days and matching families with children within even weeks. And praise be to God for continuing to bring missional families to the Indian program who are open to more significant medical needs. Oh Lord, we pray for the country of India. We pray that your gospel would go forth, that your gospel would be made known in India. We pray that the people in the north would have access to the gospel. We pray that northern India would be a place that would be saturated with believers. And Lord, we pray for our Indian brothers and sisters right now who are feeling a call and feeling a pull and feeling a tug to get out of their comfort zones and to go out into the byways and the highways of India to make known the precious gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, we pray for opportunities to be able to, to spread your glory and to spread your fame in India through orphan care and adoption. We pray for favor with the government. We pray for you would also give wisdom to the government and you would lead them and direct them and show them the way that they need to go. Lord, we praise you for all that you are doing in India. And Lord, we pray that you will continue to do immeasurably more than we could ever ask or imagine for the sake of your glory and your gospel to be made known in this country. And in your name we pray, amen. Well, thanks for listening to the Defender Podcast. For more information or to connect with me, please visit HerbieNewell.com. To partner with Lifeline, visit LifelineChild.org. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook by searching for Lifeline Child. You can email us directly at info at LifelineChild.org. Beloved, will you allow God to use the gospel through you to impact the life of a child? Please contact us because we are here to defend the fatherless. We'll see you again tomorrow for the Defender Podcast.